We've lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight presidential elections. Our cause is right, but we have failed to win the confidence of a majority of Americans. Well, that ends today. On Wednesday, the 2024 Republican presidential primary became a competition. Nikki Haley entered the race swinging. You might remember Haley as the Republican governor of South Carolina or as the ambassador to the United Nations in the Trump administration. If you're tired of losing, put your trust in a new generation. And if you want to win, not just as a party, but as a country, stand with me. Haley is trying to widen the tent of her party, to be a change from what Republican voters have gotten used to these last few years. And it might be working. And what's bringing you out here to, for Governor Haley? Well, um, I've always loved Nikki Haley. I think she, she brings a fresh voice. You know, I don't want another rematch between two, you know, men who are 80 years old. Arjun Singh is a politics producer for our show. He was at Haley's kickoff rally in South Carolina today, talking to supporters like Cutler Bryant. Why don't you want to see two 80-year-old men duke it out? Yeah, you know, I think America's just tired of, uh, you know, these same people running the country. And, you know, what results have we gotten? But will Nikki Haley's promised update of Republican politics really bring back enough of the voters who fled the party during the Trump era? From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Kim Belware, and I'm your guest host today. It's Wednesday, February 15th. Today, we're talking about Nikki Haley's brand of republicanism and what does change really look like in a party that often resists it. So let's take a step back. Remind us, who exactly is Nikki Haley? Nikki Haley was the former governor of South Carolina. She is Indian-American. Her parents emigrated from India, and she was first elected in 2010 after serving in the South Carolina legislature. During that 2010 race, she kind of entered as an underdog. And in fact, a lot of the South Carolina establishment were pretty skeptical of her. But one of her close aides who had worked with her on that campaign told me that what he saw as Haley's strength was actually her ability to be able to kind of sway the South Carolina establishment, particularly big donors and members of the business community, to endorse her campaign. And she went on to serve for a full term, was reelected. And then during her second term, she actually resigned in 2017 to go on to serve as Donald Trump's U.N. ambassador. Now, prior to being U.N. ambassador, Haley was perhaps best known for what happened in 2015, where after a horrific shooting in South Carolina, Haley kind of led the charge to pull down the Confederate flag at the South Carolina Capitol. There will be some in our state who see this as a sad moment. I respect that. But know this. For good and for bad, whether it is on the State House grounds or in a museum, the flag will always be a part of the soil of South Carolina. But this is a moment in which we could say that that flag, while an integral part of our past, does not represent the future of our great state. And she won a lot of national praise and attention for that. She was kind of seen as a rising star in the Republican Party. And many people think that that's kind of what contributed to her decision to end up serving in Donald Trump's cabinet. And Haley's name has 
probably been on some people's radar for a while, especially if you're in the South. What other kind of baggage, be that good or bad, is she coming into this race with? You know, I think it really depends on which side of the political aisle you are. In some ways, her baggage could be seen as positive. As governor, one of the things that was more controversial about her was that she aggressively fought Medicaid expansion in her state. She was also very well known for being anti-union. On the flip side, a lot of people who are pro-business really admired Nikki Haley. They praised her for launching economic development initiatives in South Carolina. They praised her for pushing for tax cuts. And they also praised her for attracting businesses to come into South Carolina. But I think perhaps what's most going to be attached to Haley is her time as Donald Trump's United Nations ambassador. Prior to joining his cabinet, Haley had actually been a pretty fervent critic of Donald Trump. And like many Republicans, when Trump ended up winning the nomination, Haley sort of changed her tune. As the U.N. ambassador, she was more or less an advocate of Trump's positioning on the world stage, which you might remember ruffled quite a few feathers amongst <laughs> traditional American allies. And, you know, she kind of towed that line very well. She towed a tough line on North Korea. Most notably, too, she also took a very aggressive position against Russia. Now, in 2018, she actually left that position, and people at the White House were surprised by that, although those who were close to Haley at the time said that there wasn't any animosity between Trump and Haley. And in a surprising move, Trump actually praised her on leaving, which was very rare for people who had left his cabinet. That is a very unusual reaction for Trump. So she was able to leave rather than get fired and leave on good terms. Yeah, that's absolutely what it seemed like. And, you know, after she finished her time at the U.N. and in the Trump administration, she went on to found a super PAC, the one that went to lay the groundwork for her current presidential bid. And she also served on the board of the airplane company, Boeing, which has very longstanding ties to South Carolina. And is that what Haley has been doing since 2018? She's been running the super PAC? Yes, she's been running the super PAC, and that super PAC has also been helping Republican candidates throughout the country. But for the most part, it does appear that it has been more or less a conduit of her presidential campaign. So Haley's career has um, already hit a high point of serving as an executive. She's had a high-profile role uh, serving as an ambassador on a board super PAC, and now she's coming up to run for president what has Haley said about why she's running? Well, it's interesting what Haley says about running for president in that the Nikki Haley of 2023 sounds a little bit different from the Nikki Haley of 2015 and her time as governor. In her announcement video, she seemed to take aim at what conservatives have broadly described as, quote, woke culture, which is a lot of the emphasis that we have seen, particularly in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, where there was a racial reckoning in much of the country in almost every institution and more of an emphasis to discuss the role of race within our nation's history and how that leads into the country we have today. Some think our ideas are not just wrong but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. You heard that again in her speech today, where she said that she was a proud American and that she was not going to be feeling ashamed of the nation's history. This vision isn't just mine. It's the core of our nation's history. And it called to my parents over 50 years ago. I am the proud 
daughter of Indian immigrants, and I am blessed that they are here today. And those are kind of the notes that you're really seeing Haley hit right now. In terms of more substantive sort of policies, you haven't really heard that yet, but it is very early in the presidential cycle. I mean, in her speech today, she kind of did a name check of a lot of things that we've heard coming from Republican critics of President Biden. She attacked him on inflation. We'll end inflation and build an economy that works for all, just like we did in South Carolina. She even attacked him on a baby formula shortage that had occurred not too long ago. And, you know, she sort of attacked him for being a weak leader on the world stage, kind of a throwback to her time as the U.N. ambassador in Trump's administration. What did you hear from people there about why they liked Haley for president? Well, you know, I actually heard a lot of the same things. Much of it centered around the fact that she was a woman. She was a minority candidate. There was a lot of people in the line waiting to see her who said that they thought that the Republican Party really needed to have a new face. And a term that I kept hearing over and over again was generational change. And when I asked people what do they mean by generational change, it seemed to me that they were kind of looking to move on from the way that Trump conducted himself in office, the way that he managed to alienate not just liberals and Democrats, but he also alienated a lot of Republicans, too. And one of the people that I spoke to today really talked about the importance of generational change in the Republican Party. This guy was named Michael Krivka, and he was outside of the event. He is a college student. And he told me that he thought that Nikki Haley could be the new face for a new generation of Republicans. You know, I think we're ready, ready for some real genuine change. Um, I think we're independently minded. Um, I think we're productive. (laughs) And I think to a certain extent, we're all progressive in one way or another. Um, Just in the fact that we want to see stuff get done because we feel like nothing's getting done. At the same time, There's an open question about what these ideas kind of mean. What does generational change actually look like in terms of a president? And when I try to get more into sort of policy details with people, it really came across that what a lot of these people who were supporting Haley were looking for was someone who is frankly not quite as belligerent and perhaps even not as embarrassing to Republicans and, you know, the presidency as someone like a Donald Trump was. This is so interesting. It seems like she's, you know, right now really effectively threading that needle between using this idea of anti-wokeness as her opening salvo, yet she's also leaning heavily on her multiracial background, the fact that she's a woman, some of these identity politics, as we'd say. Yeah, she absolutely is. And I think in one way, it seems that Nikki Haley is trying to reclaim the ground, which some conservatives and even Republican strategists felt was ceded to Democrats in the last four or five years. And that was that there was an image and a stereotype of the Republican Party, that it was predominantly a party that was catering to working class white voters. And in those efforts, they were not really concerned about communities of color. They were not concerned about women. And that cost them very heavily in the 2018 midterms. And so this kind of language of talking about identity politics, but more in a conservative way, I think is a way of Nikki Haley trying to take back some of that ground from Democrats and 
sort of make a message and an appeal to minorities and women and say, hey, listen, we are also a party that can represent you. Hmm. So where does Haley stand with Republican leadership? I have not really seen or heard any discontent from party leaders like, say, someone like a Mitch McConnell or even a Kevin McCarthy about Nikki Haley. But what was notable is that at her event today, you did see establishment GOP figures, including the former chair of the South Carolina Republican Party, come out and announce her and speak very favorably of her. So I think that she's someone that establishment Republicans feel very comfortable with. And that goes, by the way, for major donors, too. She's already been able to receive donations from the CEO of BlackRock and other major Republican donors who are longtime members of the Republican establishment. After the break, we look at how Haley's former boss, President Trump, factors into the 2024 equation. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. So, Arjun, Trump was also in South Carolina recently to drum up support for his campaign. What was that like? He was here in South Carolina, and even though Trump did manage to get a crowd, it was noticeably smaller than a lot of the crowds Trump had previously drawn. And I think more to the point of how much Trump's campaign really was struggling right now, he was failing to line up people, South Carolina officials, elected officials, or even party activists to support him because many were telling him that they were unsure if Nikki Haley or even Tim Scott were going to enter the race. Mm. And that really shows an opening of the field right now that people weren't necessarily saying that they were not going to, you know, go out and support Trump or even support him in the future, but that there was a hesitancy to go out and support Trump. And what are you hearing from strategists and other people in the GOP about how Trump's reelection campaign is the kind of start that's off to? You know, with GOP strategists that I've chatted with, there is definitely a feeling that Trump might not be the eventual nominee and that voters themselves are also perhaps starting to get over Trump himself. He has hit a lot of bad headlines lately. He has been mired in various lawsuits. And one strategist even told me on background that those lawsuits are cause for concern amongst establishment donors because it could very well be a drain on his campaign. Now, that also even translates down to voters. A couple of voters that I spoke to today felt that maybe Trump was right for what they wanted in 2016. But 2022, 23 and 24, it's a different era and it might be time for new leadership. And even if Trump is maybe struggling more right now, he is still an influential figure in the party, obviously. And you mentioned he and Haley did part on good terms. What has Trump said about Haley's run for president? 
The relationship between the two of them has been interesting. There hasn't really been a lot exchanged in terms of public barbs between the two. And, you know, when Haley did leave Trump's administration, he was praising her and he said some good things about her. Most recently, Trump was in an interview with uh, Hugh Hewitt, who's a conservative radio host, and he had said that Nikki Haley is a very ambitious person. She just couldn't uh, stay in the seat. I I said, you know what, Nick, if you want to run, you go ahead and run. Well, what has Haley said about running against her former boss? Well, Haley had previously said in April of 2021 that if Donald Trump was going to run for 2024, she would back out of the race and she would support him. Now, obviously, things have changed and things very well were open to changing back then. But that was sort of the most recent thing we had heard from Haley about Trump. And I imagine as this campaign continues, we're going to hear more criticism coming from Haley towards Trump, as is natural in any presidential campaign. I'm wondering, given Haley's background, you know, she's someone who has worked with Trump. She's a bit of a foil to him, especially personality-wise. You know, what does her entrance mean for the rest of the presidential field moving forward? Well, it's certainly going to mean that others who are running for president are interested in it are going to feel pressure to want to jump in. And already, as I've been here in South Carolina, the other name that I've been hearing a lot is Senator Tim Scott. Senator Tim Scott is even holding an event tomorrow where a lot of reporters are going to go because they're expecting a presidential announcement soon. Former Vice President Mike Pence is expected to jump into the race. And so I think her entrance has you know, for better or worse, kind of signal the official start of the presidential primaries. I think it will also be an opportunity for the Republican Party to have these debates that you're hearing down on the ground and perhaps inside of back rooms with party strategists and political operatives about what kind of a party the Republican Party is going to be. Nikki Haley's entrance into this race really does show that there is going to be a candidate who is trying to create a different personality for the Republican Party. And going back to what I had said earlier, a party that maybe can appeal more to communities of color and women. That all being said, though, it is still very much an open question as to how far this change will extend. So I think what Haley's entrance really says to us is that we're going to be hearing a lot more about the way the Republican Party presents itself in the next coming months. Arjun, thank you so much. Ah, thanks for having me. Arjun Singh is a politics producer for Post Reports. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening. Today's episode was produced by Sabby Robinson with help from Ariel Plotnick. It was mixed by Sam Baer and edited by Rena Flores. Thanks also to Sean Sullivan. If you want to support the show and this kind of in-depth politics reporting, subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Kim Belware. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. 
I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.